Welcome to Nourish and Shine, where I talk with passionate leaders in the fields of nutrition, functional and integrative medicine, and wellness, providing inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and live a whole vibrant life starting now. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Nourish and Shine. Today I'm talking with Sarah Bublitz. She's a licensed acupuncturist and instructor of medicine within the integrative medicine and health department at Mayo Clinic. I loved talking with Sarah. She is an absolute delight. And as I mentioned in the episode, I could have talked with her all day long. We tried to keep it to around an hour, but she is just so full of great information and has so much to share. In this episode, we talk about what is acupuncture, what training it takes to become a licensed acupuncturist, how to find an acupuncturist, and what conditions can be helped by acupuncture, such as fertility and pain. And we talk about how she used to have her own private practice and treated NFL players, which was super interesting. We also talk about a ton of other stuff, so I can't wait for you to listen to this episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah Bublitz. She's a licensed acupuncturist and instructor of medicine within the Integrative Medicine and Health Department at Mayo Clinic. Hello, Amy. Thanks for having me today. Yes, I'm so excited to talk with you. And we were talking a little bit before this, but I feel like we could talk for hours. She is so interesting (laughs) and I can't wait to dive into everything. I'm excited. Yeah, I think this is really going to be an interesting discussion. And I think I'm so excited to have this chat with you today and talk to the listeners and any questions you have. And so it'll be good. Good, good. So let's start off. Can you just tell us about yourself generally? Yeah, definitely. So my upbringing was I always knew I wanted to go into medicine. And I actually thought that I wanted to go into surgery. Because when I was a child, I had knee surgery in fourth grade and sixth grade. And I knew I want to go into medicine. I want to help people feel better and help people have the opposite experience of what I had, which where my doctors weren't super friendly, weren't very helpful. And as a kid, it was really scary to have those experiences. And so then I decided to be pre-med at the University of Minnesota, took a bunch of classes on biology and medicine, and then I ended up seeing a lecture on acupuncture, and that changed everything for me. And then I decided to finish with my biology degree, and then I moved out to Portland and received my master's degree in acupuncture. So that's kind of how it started for me within the healthcare field. That's awesome. So very early on, you were interested in medicine. And then seeing a lecture in pre-med is what got you into acupuncture. And that was one of my biggest questions was how did you really find acupuncture? And like after you saw that lecture, what was your next step? Yeah. So when I was in high school, some of my classmates were getting acupuncture. I thought it was really interesting, but I didn't know much about it. And so my boyfriend at the time was thinking about going to chiropractic school. And then at that chiropractic school, they were talking about acupuncture. And I just thought in my head, I need to go there. I need to see this lecture. And I had no idea why. I just knew that I needed to go there. And the really cool thing is that I saw the lecture on acupuncture, something clicked in me. It was like an aha moment, an Oprah moment, where this is exactly (laughs) what I need to be doing. And then like comes full circle, not to jump too far ahead, but 10 years later, after I'd finished after acupuncture school, I ended up becoming a clinic supervisor at the exact school that I saw 
the lecture on acupuncture when I was 19 years old. And so I ended up working there 10 years later, which was really, really powerful. And so that started the whole journey for me, learning about energy medicine, acupuncture, pain management, mindfulness, all of that. And so it's really amazing how life can come for a circle like that if you just listen to the signs that are there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was going to point out is, boy, you really listen to your gut and like your purpose and your calling and to be that clear and like that decisive, I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, my mom always said that I had a really good intuition. And so hearing her Mm -hmm. say that just validated everything. You know, of course, parents are, you know, I wish you would stay pre-med. You're going to do acupuncture. That's so weird. That's so strange. But then once I went into the program, they, they really understood what I was doing. And now they're so proud of me and I give them acupuncture all the time. And so I think... I said, mom and dad, you get free acupuncture for forever. You know, you guys have always supported me. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty cool. So what specifically drew you to acupuncture? Like when you were early on kind of looking at it and seeing those lectures, like what about acupuncture really drew you? So the whole idea of helping patients feel better as preventative care or pre or post-operative care. So with acupuncture, it's not just working on the physical symptoms, which is what drew me to the medicine, but it's also working on the mental, emotional, spiritual element for that patient specifically. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that I treat patients from all walks of life and acupuncture is so helpful for everyone and can help people with things that they don't even realize they need work on. So if someone's coming in for neck and shoulder tension, maybe they don't realize that's tied to anxiety and stress. And so for me, it really connected with the holistic body, you know, looking at the person, not just the injury. So for me, having knee surgery, I was just viewed as a knee. The doctors did Mm -hmm. not connect with me as a person. And I wanted to be able to help people on that holistic level and get to know my patients and get to build relationships and get to know families. So now I treat families, I treat mothers and daughters and husbands. And so for me, that building that sense of community with my patients is huge. Some patients I see once a year and I may not see again. And that's okay too. You know, I'm introducing them to acupuncture so that they can get treatments done back home. And that brings up a really good point. So for people who are unfamiliar with acupuncture or who haven't had acupuncture before, how do you tell them about it? Great question. So when I talk to patients, I first will give them information on the education of an acupuncturist. So that's kind of a big misconception on acupuncturists. People always ask, oh, do you need schooling for this? What's the schooling? You know, they're really not sure. And so I like to help educate people and let them know that for acupuncture school, it's a bachelor's degree. And then with acupuncture schooling, that's a master's degree, that's four years. And most schools are now moving towards that doctorate degree for acupuncture. And so I let people know the difference of a licensed acupuncturist versus someone that's certified. So licensed acupuncturist means at least 3000 hours versus certified is 100 hours, such as maybe a chiropractor that does acupuncture. 
Wow. So that's a huge Huge difference. And then a physician that does acupuncture is about 300 hours of training. So I work at Mayo Clinic and we do have two physicians on staff that did the 300 hour course that will offer acupuncture to their patients. So that's a great integrative approach as well for those providers. And then there are three licensed acupuncturists on staff, such as myself, and we offer those services to patients. And so what I like to tell patients is acupuncture is not a treatment that you do once and then never again. So with acupuncture, it's going to be a series of treatments to help manage your pain or anxiety or stress, whatever you have going on that you want to work with. And each treatment is a cumulative, you have a cumulative response. So typically for patients, I recommend six visits to start and then we see how they feel within six. Typically, patients feel great within one to three sessions. And so when they come in, we do the full medical intake, see what they want to work on. I form the Chinese medical diagnosis, and then I come up with a treatment plan and tell them how many treatments I recommend. And if they're from out of state or out of the country, then I can help them plan that for when they go back home. If it's someone that lives in town in Rochester or in Minnesota, because I do get people that travel several hours to see me at the clinic, then that treatment plan puts a good idea in their head of how many sessions they need to do to help them feel better. And so typically, this is an in general statement, most patients will notice if they're feeling better within six to eight sessions. And I would say, 85% of my patients respond to acupuncture. And if it's something like fibromyalgia, it's 95% of people respond to acupuncture within a few sessions. And so it's a really high track record clinically is what I've seen. That's great. So I think that's a good point that it's not something you can do once and be done and cured. Just like some of these disease states or conditions didn't come on all of a sudden exactly. either. So exactly. You know, try if to... you've been struggling with fibromyalgia, it's not like it just happened yesterday, probably. Right. Exactly. And so, it's and so that's that exactly. And that's a great point to bring up is when I see patients, so depending on if they have acute pain or chronic pain, then that modifies the number of treatments they need. So let's say someone hurts their elbow a week or two ago, then they may only need one to three treatments versus if they hurt their elbow five years ago, then they're going to need more treatments. So more acute or newer conditions need shorter amounts of treatments or not as many treatments. Chronic conditions need more treatments to help them feel better. And then something like fibromyalgia, which I treat regularly, then that's going to be maintenance treatments for the rest of their life. And that's something else I tell Yeah. And so especially with something like fibro, it's, there aren't that many things that can help treat fibromyalgia besides, you know, kind of mindfulness, meditation, taking it slow. You don't want to overdo it. And then adding things in like acupuncture, gentle massage, biofeedback, that sort of thing. And so what I tell patients is you need to keep up with treatments in order to keep flares away in order to feel the best that you can feel. Similar to maybe patients that suffer from anxiety or depression, I might not see patients for a few months because they're doing well and then they need to come in for a kind of maintenance session and then I might not see them for three months again. And so really acupuncture helps people to have a better awareness of their body and what they're feeling and knowing, oh, it's time for acupuncture. Just like how people know it's time for Mm -hmm. massage or it's time for a nap or whatever, they can have that awareness. Cause I think as a country, we're so cut off from that awareness of our body. And that's really 
anything I can do to help patients form that connection with their body is huge because then they know, oh, when I eat this food, I feel uncomfortable. Or, oh, I remember Mm -hmm. Sarah telling me this. Wow, I'm really noticing X, Y, and Z. And so it brings accountability and empowerment to their wellness and their daily living. That accountability and being in tune with your body is huge. And being able to share that through acupuncture, I think it's so important. And when someone's having acupuncture, what's their like actual experience? Like do you, as far as the needling goes, and do you have any other techniques you use along with the needling? So everyone's always nervous that acupuncture is going to be painful and it's not. If it is painful, that might mean their technique isn't the best or they like to have more aggressive acupuncture. My style of acupuncture is not aggressive. So I won't go too much into it, but within acupuncture, there's traditional Chinese medicine, which is what I do, Japanese acupuncture or Korean acupuncture and a few other different types. And so when a patient comes in to see me, we'll do the medical diagnosis. And then let's say they're having anxiety and back pain. And so then what I will do is... For example, if they're having back pain, I might have them be face down on a massage table. And then I may put some topical oils on their low back to help with pain. So my treatments are very much using acupuncture, very tiny needles. So 40 gauge needles are typically what I use. So around 40, 40 gauge needles can fit into one 18 gauge hypodermic needle which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> thing, yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Like even the insulin needles are like yeah. 28 gauge or 30 gauge and those are super right. thin. So that's incredibly so very thin. thin. You know, when I see patients, most people are not well, right? So I'm at Mayo Clinic. I see really complex cases. Patients are going through a lot of it's cancer, just fibromyalgia, rare conditions where no one's been able to help them feel better, severe headaches. So I want them to be relaxed and to feel better quickly. And so that's why I like to do a really gentle style of acupuncture. I'm not saying more aggressive is wrong. It's just not right for our patient population, in my opinion, because they're already hurting. I don't want them to hurt more. Then we do the acupuncture to be nice and painless. In addition to acupuncture, I like to use topical oils to help with pain management. I may hook up the needles to electricity, which is a TENS unit, and that constant flow of electricity helps to increase circulation, reduce inflammation, and reduce pain. So I'll go into kind of what acupuncture does in just a minute, but once the needles are in, if I do the oil or the electricity, then I put heat lamps over the area of pain, and then the patient gets to rest for about a half an hour. So during that relaxation time, the body starts to relax and goes from that sympathetic fight or flight stage to the rest and digest stage. And so a lot of people will feel a wave of relaxation throughout their body during that session and healing can really begin. And so afterwards, people feel like they've just gotten a massage, which feels, you know, it's that whole kind of, wow, I'm so relaxed. My body feels like a noodle. And the neat thing is, is it's your body literally doing that for itself. And so that's the cool part about acupuncture is the body wants to get back into balance. And so then typically I like to see patients once a week. If I can, my schedule is pretty crazy. Sometimes I'm out three months for new patients. Sometimes I only get to see patients once a month, but ideally I like to see people once a week for a few sessions and then spread it out after that. 
That's amazing. That? And that's such a good point. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's such a good point that the body is really healing yeah. itself and you're just helping it to kind of relax and get into that rest and digest stage exactly. and giving people even 30 minutes of time interrupted, uninterrupted to sit and relax sometimes yeah. is so powerful. You're exactly right. Um, do you... I know you mentioned mindfulness um, when we were kind of talking and do you incorporate that into kind of the relaxation period with the needles in, or do you do that separately with patients? Good question. So I have a lot of patients that are wanting additional tools to help with their pain or their anxiety. And so I'll talk with them about different mindfulness tools separate from the acupuncture treatment. So, I mean, during that session, when they come in, then we'll talk about those mindfulness techniques and then they can incorporate that into their acupuncture session themselves. But I leave the room when they have that 30 minutes of rest time. And so some patients like to kind of chat and have an open dialogue when they're resting with the needles. But I always have a rule, you, know, you need to rest for 15 minutes by yourself. That way your body can fully unwind and, and digest the treatment. And so things I'll recommend to patients are meditation, yoga, helping the body have positive ways of thinking instead of negative. And so a really good image that I have been doing a lot with patients lately is, you know, if you have an image, if you have these negative thoughts pop up, or let's say, you know, you're trying to do meditation and all of these different things come into your mind, like, oh, I need to walk the dog. I need to go get the mail. I need to talk to my partner. I need to X, Y, and Z. You know, if these things are kind of bubbling up, have the image of actual bubbles for these different things in your mind and then just kind of pushing those bubbles away and saying like, I don't need to think about that right now. I don't need to have anxiety about that. I don't need to focus on that. And I like that image because it gives you the power to push away those thoughts in a gentle way, you know, like I don't want to think about that thing right now. And so I think that we can be so inundated with various things throughout the day. You know, we're all have busy lives there can be all, all can be those stressors, so it's hard to just sit and relax. And when you just kind of shoo things away in that moment, in that five to thirty minutes of resting, then it can be really restorative. And so I'll talk with patients about doing mindfulness apps. You know, it can be really difficult to sit and meditate for half an hour. Most people can't do that. And so I, what I do is mm -hmm. say to patients, hey, let's have five minutes of meditation, download this app or go on YouTube or listen to this podcast, find something that works for you that feels good. And studies show that 15 minutes of meditation four times a week is really beneficial for reducing anxiety and stress. And so we have that power to help ourselves feel better. So it's finding the tools that best help us to relax. You know, another image is let's say someone's really stressed out, they're talking to a stressful coworker or stressful partner, stressful child, you know, a patient can imagine light or water at the top of their head. And then that water light trickling down their whole body down to the feet as kind of a protective barrier and having that boundary against that person that's causing them stress. And so that can be a good reminder for the body to relax during that time. And patients really resonate with that. They really appreciate those little tools, you know, cause I'm not saying do 10 hours of meditation a day, cause that's not going to be practical for most people. So finding practical ways of mindfulness for the busy population, I think is really helpful. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I love that visualization. Even just thinking about it there, I was like, wow, <laughs> right? that is relaxing. So helpful. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, with patients, if I have time, so right now I see about 10 patients a day and I really like to connect with patients as much as I can. And so when patients are on the table, if I have the time, I like to do some gentle massage. Maybe I'll, you know, massage their temples. I'll do some breathing with them. Three deep breaths can be really helpful to get someone into that relaxed state. And just, you know, that, that kind of, as I like to say, like healthy contact with the body. So if it's just touching their arm, touching their shoulder, letting them know they're in a safe space and I'm there to help them feel better. And then it's really amazing to see patients once I put the needles in and I just touch their shoulder and I say, okay, now it's time to relax. And they do a deep sigh, a deep breath, and they're able to go into that relaxed state. And so for me, that's everything, knowing I can help this person in this moment feel better. And that's, that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and touch is so powerful too. I love how you incorporate that because I think there's too little of it now and everyone's so scared to touch somebody, but it is, I mean, it's a real transfer of energy and especially in a healing capacity. I think that's super powerful. It really is. And that's why I say, you know, that healthy touch of like a shoulder, elbow, a hand, a leg, you know, finding that, that in a, in when I learned in school is like that mother hand, it's a mothering hand. So that is comforting to someone. And I think it's so important. It's so healing. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned like the Chinese medical diagnosis, if I remember right. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you form it and what that all is? Yeah. So in acupuncture school, as I mentioned earlier, it's a master's degree. So during that master's degree, the first year is learning about Chinese medical theory. And so essentially, it's a completely different way of looking at the body than Western medicine. So Western medicine is you have a UTI, you know, we're going to fix the UTI. You have heart palpitations, we're going to work on the heart. So with Chinese medicine, what we're doing is we're looking at all of the symptoms to form that diagnosis. So a common diagnosis that I see is what's called spleen chi deficiency. So what is chi? Chi is your natural energy, which we don't go into this too much at Mayo Clinic. We mostly stick with the Western diagnosis of of things. But the beauty of Chinese medicine is we do get these diagnoses of like spleen chi deficiency, kidney deficiency, liver chi stagnation. So that's essentially saying like, if your chi is stagnant, you're going to have pain she's saying that you're going to have stress. And so acupuncture points work to move that stress or move that pain out or nourish the body if it's deficient. And so someone with spleen chi deficiency will have tooth marks on their tongue, a puffy tongue. They may overthink, have digestive issues, have bloating, worry a lot, have ruminating thoughts. And then maybe they say they're stressed as well. And if they have a lot of stress and they have more bowel issues, then that can be another diagnosis of spleen chi deficiency with liver chi stagnation. And so essentially that diagnosis helps me formulate which acupuncture points I want to use. And that's why it's really important to have those symptoms that the patients relate to us. And then I have access to their medical record. So let's say I only have 10 minutes to chat with that patient. I know in advance a lot of the symptoms that they have, which is really great. That is awesome. It's really neat that you're incorporated right into the team of providers there. And having access to the medical record is amazing. Do you document then in the medical record after your appointment? Yep. So acupuncture is considered a procedure at Mayo Clinic. And so 
with being a procedure, we do chart notes, we list all the acupuncture points that we use, and all the providers that see that patient can see our chart notes. And I tend to be a stickler for detail, so I'll write everything in there. But that's helpful for me. It's important to me to remember, oh, this patient isn't just having knee pain. That's right. They're having digestive issues, headaches, hot flashes. Let's work on treating all of those things. And then when the patient comes in, I'll say, hey, how are those hot flashes doing? You know, how are you feeling? And, you know, for them, they say, you know, thank you for remembering that. And that it's feeling a lot better since our last session. Let's work on it again. And so that goes back to that element of connecting with my patients and showing them that I care. And that's a big part of finding the right acupuncturist for you. And that's what I tell patients is, especially if I only see them once, finding a provider that you feel safe with, that you feel comfortable with. And that's going to be different for everyone. Some people might not like my hands-on approach. Some people like more of a hands-off approach. You know, so it's finding that provider that makes you feel comfortable and safe for what you're looking to work on. As with anything, same with massage, you know, same with other modalities of care where I like relaxation massage, deep tissue massage hurts me. So I'm going to seek out more of a relaxation massage therapist. Is there a good place? Like, how do you find a good provider? Like, where do you refer patients to yeah. to like search for a acupuncturist? Great question. So what I'll tell patients is, you know, remember to look for the licensed acupuncturist background. And if there are no licensed acupuncturist back providers in your community, then they could try a chiropractor that does acupuncture as long as they have a fair amount of experience with that condition. But what I tell patients to do is go to nccaom.org, which is the certification process for licensed acupuncturists. And so it will list acupuncturists in that area that are up to date on their certification and boards. Another thing I tell people to do is go online and read reviews, because that's going to be one of the best ways to see the competency of that provider. You know, if it's someone that has 18 review, 18 great reviews. They've been practicing for 10 years. They have great schooling on, you know, the West Coast, and they have a lot of experience working with what the patient's condition is, then that's going to be potentially a better provider than someone has one review and maybe not as much experience working on that condition. And so I tend to steer patients in that way. Sometimes I'll help them find someone online. And also word of mouth is huge. A lot of patients I get are referral-based from other patients, from other, you know, obviously physicians will refer to me all the time, other patients in the community. So as a provider and as a business owner, you want to build up those networks so that patients know that you're there and available to help treat them. That is great advice. And that's, I had acupuncture recently while I was pregnant and it is a little nerve wracking to find someone oh, that yeah. you really trust, especially, yeah. I mean, especially when I was pregnant, you know, yeah. you don't want to just go to anybody right. as with any provider. I mean, really researching exactly. them makes a ton of sense. Researching is huge. Um, and then I, you know, as an acupuncturist, one of the best things you can do as a provider is have a good website have a great picture up. I think that way, you know, looking at someone's picture or, you know, and, or just reading their bio, you can connect with them on a level of like, Oh, I have anxiety. I have this type of pain. This provider specializes in that versus someone else might specialize in oncology and you don't have cancer. You know what I mean? So it's like, where's right. that specialty lie and what's the right fit? And that's so important to know that acupuncture, just like many professions, has kind of specialties yeah. within itself. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And so for me, my specialty is 
since I treat so many different types of patients from all over, I tend to have areas that I, you know, I treat everything. I love treating different types of patients all day long, but my specialties are oncology, women's health, pain management, complex cases, fibromyalgia. And I love working with pregnant women and also helping women with infertility. And so that's, those are my passions are helping people get to the space where they're able to feel the best that they can feel and working with these complex cases to show patients, I have a lot of experience with this. I can help you feel better. And it's so rewarding working with someone, especially with fertility cases where they've been trying to get pregnant for years. And I've had patients do four sessions of acupuncture and get pregnant. I mean, it's crazy. Oh my gosh. It's it's amazing. That's awesome. awesome. And let's, so let's dive into that. So as far as fertility goes and pregnancy, like how does acupuncture help that? And what does that look like? Like what, how often are you going and like, what sort of things are you doing? So with fertility, I will do the medical, the deep intake and find out have they been pregnant before? Are they doing IVF? Are they doing IUI? So in essence, are they doing hormone medication, or are they working on things naturally? A lot of fertility patients, I say fertility versus infertility, just because I don't like the kind of sometimes negative connotation with the word infertility. So I like to focus, you know, kind of on the positive aspect of it and say fertility. And so I look at, do we know why there are fertility challenges? Do they potentially have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is very common these days for women to have that condition? And then Once I form, again, that Chinese medical diagnosis, then I decide the acupuncture points based on that. So things to look at are, how is their uterine lining? How's their stress, anxiety? Do they have digestive issues? Are they hot? Are they cold? Though the different symptoms relate to the different points I use. So typically I'll do points around the belly and of the lower pelvic points. So above that pubic bone on the ankle, the wrist and the head are typically areas that I'll use. So we want to increase blood flow to the uterus. So we're working on increasing uterine lining. Sometimes people have a thin lining. Acupuncture can increase that that lining to then promote. Yeah. And so that's one of the really cool things I, when I was in private practice. So I was in private practice for five years before I came to Mayo and I've been at Mayo for five years. And when I was in private practice, I 60 to 70% of my patients were fertility patients. And What I would do is I would needle underneath the belly button, so that pelvic region, and I would hook it up to electricity. And these, the patients I was treating, they were getting ultrasounds in addition to the acupuncture. So in different locations, I, you know, that was within their fertility clinic, but I would do the acupuncture. Maybe their lining was six, seven, and then they'd go get their ultrasound and their lining might be up to nine. And then their lining might be up to 12. And so the fascinating thing is that before getting acupuncture, they may have only had a lining of six to seven millimeters. And then they come in for acupuncture and I had a patient go all the way up to 12 when she had never had 12 millimeter lining before. And her doctor, yeah, her doctor literally said, what are you doing? Keep doing it. This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this before. And how fast does that happen? Like if you're going for acupuncture and you're at six and then they go up to 12, is that like after months or weeks or so that was definitely an extreme case typically what i'll see is patients go from like six to nine and that will be in a short amount of time so typically with fertility i like to work with patients for three months is one course of treatment that oftentimes doesn't always happen and so ideally if you can get in once a week for three months then you're going to notice the most benefits and then you want to come in 
also around ovulation time, whether it's natural ovulation or if you're doing hormone medication. And so for some people that can happen quickly with the lining. And for some people, it does take three to six month window to get that lining thicker. And some people, their lining unfortunately doesn't get thicker, you know, based on kind of whatever's going on with their body, their anatomy. And so typically I do see that great increase and kind of rare times I don't see that increase, but patients still get pregnant even without that thickening. Yeah. And And do you know like what the mechanism is? So why thickens it? So the research shows that, you know, with increasing blood flow to that area, then what the acupuncture is doing is since it's able to de-stress the body, the body's able to have better hormone regulation. And then with increasing blood flow to that area, it's able to thicken because it's absorbing more of the hormones within the body. And so when patients are doing kind of the Western medical hormones, then the acupuncture is doing the same thing where generally they're going to be stressed out. The acupuncture relaxes them. Then with the hormone medication that they're taking, their body can absorb it better so that they have a higher chance of getting pregnant. And then it can reduce the the side effects from the medication as well. And so all in all, it's kind of relaxing, but also stimulating and increasing blood flow to promote pregnancy. And then if you have a thicker lining, then there's a higher chance of implantation. Yeah. Wow. Really That's amazing. And the relaxation piece of that is so yeah. important too, because with yeah. stress, you drive cortisol, which then can mess up hormone production yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think helping to balance the hormones is hugely powerful exactly. too. And there was a recent study that showed that hormone medication with the addition of acupuncture had a higher success rate than just hormone medication alone. And a big part of that was the relaxation element. And, you know, patients feel better, their bodies are more receptive to care. And that goes with anything. I I see a lot of oncology patients where, you know, these patients are unfortunately really, really sick. They're really suffering chemotherapy, radiation, and then they have all the side effects of that. So nausea, vomiting, fatigue, neuropathy, dryness of the mouth, which is called xerostomia. Maybe their nose is running a lot. You know, acupuncture can help reduce those side effects so that I think when they go in and get the chemo and radiation, it's even more beneficial because their body's stronger. I don't think that's necessarily been researched, that portion of it, but it has been researched that acupuncture helps significantly with side effects of chemo and radiation. That's amazing because there's no drug interactions there and it's a safe adjunct to their treatment. Exactly. It's a safe adjunct of treatment for them. And, you know, so with acupuncture, a lot of people are not fully sure. Uh, You know, I get a lot of physicians that are supportive and I get physicians that are unsure if it works or not. And I tell people it's not going to hurt anything. Send your patients to me. I'll be able to tell them if I can help them or not. It's not going to make them feel worse. Really, the only side effects from acupuncture is sometimes bruising can happen every now and again. It's not painful. It's a great tool to have in someone's toolbox to help them feel better. And so typically at Mayo, physicians will say, yes, go see Sarah. She's great at treating X, Y, and Z. Or the doctor might say, hey, I'm not sure, but give it a try. And so I think that's really huge is that now, you know, big institutions are so much more open to integrative medicine. Patients are interested in it. Physicians are interested in it. We need to get patients off of pain medication. And so we're going to see more and more hospitals offering acupuncture. Yeah. 
as far as the physicians or people who refer to you often, have they had acupuncture themselves or do you ever ask them? You know, I wonder that too. And from what, you know, I treat a lot of physicians and I treat a lot of nurses and what I'm finding is that yes, physicians are getting acupuncture the ones that are referring to us often have either gotten it themselves or they get such positive feedback from their patients that they say, okay, you know, something's working here. This must work. And so the big departments that I see for referrals is uh, pain, the pain clinic, especially back pain, shoulder pain, headaches, fibromyalgia, and the oncology and fertility departments. Those are the biggest referral referral sources for us because Patients go back to them and say, I feel better. They're noticing the positive feedback and they may have had acupuncture treatments themselves. I mean, I can't tell you how many, I see a lot of doctors and nurses. And so for me, being able to help them feel better so they can help their patients feel better is huge. You know, so it's not just about treating the patients that come to Mayo. It's about treating the providers that treat the patients at Mayo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point that treating the providers and making them healthier and happier and more relaxed. And then they can tell people about it. I think speaking from a place of experience is so powerful. So I wanted to get into your training because I was lucky enough to Portland for my fellowship training and spend some time at the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine, which was amazing. And so I followed around acupuncture students for like, I think it was two or three days, basically. And I was so impressed at all of the training. And then I sat with them and they talked about diagnosing and went through like why they felt certain things about certain people. And we talked about diagnosis and pulse diagnosis and oh my gosh, it was so incredible. So So can you tell me, yeah. So can you tell me why you chose the Oregon College of Oriental yeah. Medicine and then a little bit about your time there? And then I know you did some traveling and extra studying too. So I'd love to hear about that. Definitely. So I chose Oregon College of Oriental Medicine be- or otherwise known as OCOM because it's the number one school in the country and they have additional training in shiatsu and energy work. And so for my treatments, I like to incorporate in when I can massage and like healing touch or Reiki. And so at OCOM, it has such a strong foundation with Western medicine point location, which is important. If you're not locating the points properly, you're not going to get the best treatment, pro- you know, best treatment outcome. And so their point location mm-hmm. is huge. Their theory is so good. You know, they have physicians from China, acupuncture physicians coming in from China, teaching us our classes. And my experience there was amazing. I absolutely loved it. And then they have Chinese herbal medicine. And so within my schooling, I actually did the three-year accelerated program. And normally it's four years, but I did it in three. And so then I got to learn all about herbal medicine, which is so amazing. And I wish I could use that at Mayo Clinic, but unfortunately I can't. So acupuncturists that have that Chinese herbal knowledge, that's just another great tool in the toolbox of helping people feel better. Yeah. Yeah, And I was blown away by the dispensary there. Yeah. We went down just in as a pharmacist, like checking that out. I was like, oh my gosh, just all the bottles of various like Chinese herbs and, you know, the patent drugs they had and all sorts of stuff. It was so neat. 
And that's how they do it in China, you know. So I studied. So after I graduated from OCOM, then I went to China for two months. And within that Chinese Chinese hospital training, I worked in different hospitals, learning how they treat patients in China, which is completely different than how we treat patients here. Meaning, I treat two patients an hour, which is busy. But in China, they treat six to eight patients an hour which is, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Wow. So patients are separated by a curtain and everyone on that floor has, is being treated for the same condition. And so, whereas I treat everything in China, you might be on the floor for back pain. So all eight of those patients will have back pain. So the physician will do essentially the same protocol in every patient because it's the back pain department. And then they may do Chinese herbal medicine. And so what you saw were the raw herbs, which then are boiled and made into a tincture or made into a like a tea that you drink. And that's going to have the strongest effect versus a powder tea, still effective, but takes a little longer. And then there's tea pills, which take the longest, but they're the easiest to consume and relatively cheap. And so I got to learn all this at Ocom. And then, um, yeah, so then my studies in China, I got to work with herbalists on fertility formulas and also saw treatments for Bell's palsy and weight loss, which was really interesting, the weight loss formulas in China. And then... Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. It's interesting. So the patients I was seeing there, I did not feel were overweight, but in China, you know, just a little bit different standard of weight. So everyone was probably about 120 pounds, whereas the normal weight is about 90 pounds there. So patients would come in once a week. This was covered by insurance and they would get needles in the abdomen and needles kind of on the limbs, but they would also be injected with the stuff called cat guts. And so they would use a hypodermic needle with this they called cat guts. I'm not exactly sure what it is. And that would be injected into the stomach and different acupuncture points to help, yeah, to help promote metabolism. And it looked really painful. Not going to lie. Oh my word. So that was fascinating. And then they would do research studies showing, yeah, the different, you know, they'd show the circumference of the thighs, the circumference of the waist to see if it was beneficial for them to lose weight. And so then I was joking with them. I was like, oh, can you help me? Can you help me lose some weight? Can I, can I do this treatment? And they're like, oh, you're American. You are too fat. You know, you're too fat. This wouldn't work for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, thanks. I was totally mortified. But so for them, it worked. For Americans, would it work as well? I'm not sure. But it was really fascinating to see that. So fascinating. Gosh, how interesting. This may be way too broad of a question, but do you do you get background on like how are these treatments like developed? Like cat guts is a crazy name. But, oh like, yeah. How, how are some of the things like this? And like I know as far as some of the herbals that I saw, they were really interesting things like the bulk herbs. There was some dried, like various dried like crustaceans, oh, yeah. I think, and like all sorts of different dried things. How do they come yeah. up with that? Or where does that come So from? acupuncture and herbal medicine have been around for over 3000 years. And so that's the fascinating thing is, is that most herbs, you know, they're obviously plant-based or animal-based. And so how do they come up with it? I think a lot of it's trial and error. And also with Chinese medicine, it's like treats like. So let's say you have a scrape on your skin. Let's say you fell on the ground and you scrapes 
some skin off your arm, then they would treat you with something like anteater scales or fish skin, fish scales. So like treating like skin, treating skin, which is so fascinating. And so actually within the veterinary world, there were some bears in California that were burned by the forest fires and they put fish scales on the bear's paw to help promote healing. And then they also did acupuncture. And so it just shows that there's so many natural ways to treat the body that are right in front of us that we don't even realize or think about. Whereas in China, that's just commonplace. Wow, that's Isn't that amazing? Or like, you're having fertility issues, you should eat eggs, or you should eat turtle. Things that we wouldn't... I mean, here we eat eggs, but we're not going to eat turtle. You know, so fertility... Turtle is yeah. seen as a sign of like longevity or fertility over there. And um, that's not something we necessarily do here, but we may do that as a powder or a tea pill or something like that. So it's really fascinating. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned you had your own practice prior to going yeah. to Mayo and I love entrepreneurial yeah. women. I think it's just so fascinating. And so how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? And can you tell me about your practice? And I know you mentioned to me before that you worked with some NFL players. Yeah. Too. So having my private practice was very hard and then it was amazing. And so that's something that I, I did work at the acupuncture school in Bloomington, Minnesota for two and a half years. And that's something that I instilled with my students and any, any entrepreneurs that you're going to have difficulties that first year. And so when I graduated from school in Portland, I went to China and then I moved back to Minnesota and I worked so hard to build my practice. I was networking and marketing and treating people for free and just getting my name out there and nothing was happening. I was so slow. I didn't make any money. I decided to work in a restaurant so I at least could have that income. I was promoting myself in the restaurant and I just thought, I can't do this. I was, you know, I had this vision of, I always knew I wanted to work in a hospital and I always wanted to work at Mayo Clinic, but it wasn't happening. My practice was not growing. And so that was six months into trying to build a practice. And then I said, you know, I had some connections and was maybe going to move to Korea to teach English and just do a totally different job because I felt so defeated. And then I thought, you know, no, I need to give it six more months. I need to keep working on it. I can't give up on myself. And then I met a woman who ended up being my a business partner of sorts where she, I was networking and doing all these connections. And then I met someone who had an established practice and she said, I am so busy. I'm over busy. I'd love to have you come on. You have your own patients. You can work under my umbrella of the business and then build your own business within that. And so for me, that was huge. And I learned so much from her on, you know, business marketing, branding, that sort of thing. And so then we built, we worked together to build this business. And I was then seeing, I started seeing six, before I was seeing six patients a week and I went up to 45 patients in three days, like 45 patients a oh week, my but my week was three days. Cause then I was teaching at the acupuncture school two days a week. And so for me, it was just not giving up on myself, continuing to promote network, meeting this amazing woman who also lifted me up and said, hey, let's get you busy. She couldn't handle her patient load because she had so many. And so then I got to build my practice. And so a big part of it was being in a suburb that wasn't, that didn't have other acupuncturists available. So it's knowing, you know, where's the market for you as a provider is it super saturated with acupuncturists that may not be the place to go? So find somewhere else. And so our 
clinic space, you know, we started small. I rented a room within a chiropractor's office and that chiropractor ended up becoming the chiropractor for the Packers. And so he would send NFL patients to me, he'd send the Packers to me and other NFL players from other teams. And so we built that relationship up of, I sent patients to him, he sent patients to me, I treated him one time for sinus congestion, and it immediately cleared up his sinuses. And he's like, okay, you're amazing. I'm sending all my NFL patients to you, because you're the real deal. And so that was really fun to be able to build up that relationship and treat NFL players, because I mean, they're such great guys and they're, they just wreak havoc on their bodies. And so needling an NFL player is such a different experience than needling the average person because their muscles are so dense. And so when I go in to needle them, it might hurt them more than it would hurt the average person because their muscles are so tight. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's so interesting. And then when I needle them, their needles might move around a little bit, which is kind of trippy. But they respond <laughs> They <laughs> respond so well to acupuncture because it really works to relieve their muscle tension. They get on the field faster. I probably treated about 30 NFL players you know, within a few years. And I also worked the Larry Fitzgerald NFL camp, and my colleague worked there as well. And so every year, NFL players from all over would come. They'd get – they'd do football stuff, and then they'd come get chiropractic and acupuncture. It was really cool. Oh, cool. What a neat connection and a great way to – Yeah. Then kind of cross-promote as well. Exactly. That's incredible. Exactly. And, and that's what a the fun thing experience. is it's all networking and who you know and, you know, being confident in what you do, being skilled at what you do and showing like, hey, I'm really good at this. You're really good at this. Let's refer to each other, you know, because you build up that trust and that relationship. And that, that to me is really exciting, you know. Yeah. And again, I think it's neat that you were able to provide so he knows your skills yeah. and then, you know, he's comfortable referring and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned South Korea and I know yeah. you went there for some extra training. Can you tell me about yeah, that? Yeah. So in, I'm trying to remember my dates. It was just a few years ago, actually through Mayo Clinic. I was asked by the Korean, South Korean government to go to Korea to learn a specific technique to treat symptomatic spondylolisthesis, which is essentially degeneration of the spine. So low back pain. And so I went to Korea for a month and I got to train in this um, intensive program with Korean massage and acupuncture. And so now I'm doing a research protocol with the South Korean doctors. So they're treating patients and I'm treating patients. And then we're seeing how their specific protocol for symptomatic spondylolisthesis can kind of help Koreans versus and Americans to see if there's a difference in kind of the results of that, which has been really interesting. And I absolutely love, I love Seoul. I love South Korea. It's a great place to visit. And learning this technique was really cool because it's doing this Korean massage called Chuna on a chiropractic table. So it's combining two different kind of modalities. And then after I do that massage, then I give the patient acupuncture. And so we're finding that patients that could only walk one minute without, they could walk one minute and then their pain would start to act up in their low back or their legs can now walk up to seven minutes, sometimes 15 minutes before the pain starts. And so that might seem like only a small amount to some people, but for those patients, it's huge. It's a matter of walking half a block to them being able to walk half a mile before the pain kicks in. So that's been really interesting to do that research. And because I'm oftentimes used to patients that, you know, they have pain, 
they get acupuncture, they feel great. But with some conditions, patients have pain, they get acupuncture, they feel better, but they're still not going to feel great because they have such degeneration of their spine or of their body, advanced arthritis, that sort of thing. So it's knowing the limits with what their body can kind of handle and feel better with. And so that's interesting as well. And I think important to tell patients like, hey, I can help you feel better, but to a point. So having realistic expectations. So typically the younger and healthier someone is, the faster they respond to acupuncture. If it's someone that has advanced arthritis, I cannot cure their arthritis, but I can help reduce the symptoms surrounding their arthritic pain. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the collaboration too between South Korea and Interesting. I mean, that's really cool that you guys are doing research yeah, together. It's really fascinating. And, you know, so the Korean government paid for me to go to Korea, paid for me to do all this stuff. They're paying for the, the research. And, and so that's really neat that the government has so much faith and trust in this research study. And so for me, you know, I'll be the only acupuncturist in the United States that knows how to do this protocol. And I'm a, and as a female, that's huge. You know, we need more female driven research yeah. out there. Yeah. And so that's really empowering for me. And with acupuncture, anytime a provider is able to do research, that just furthers the profession, which is able to, you know, then that helps all acupuncturists and all patients. So to me, that's really exciting to kind of be a pioneer in the field to help people bring awareness to acupuncture. Absolutely. I think there needs to be so much more research in integrative medicine. And that's something we talked about in our fellowship too, is just getting comfortable with publishing what you're doing because you have so many amazing stories and results and things, but getting organized enough and, you know, actually doing the research and publishing it is huge. And, And, you know, with acupuncture, everyone is obviously everyone is different and needs to be needled differently. And that's the the challenge with research in America is that they want it to be standardized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not how it's done in China. In China, it's you come in, you have pain, I treat you, you feel better. Everyone gets a specific, you know, everyone gets their own diagnosis and a different protocol. And so I don't want to do cookbook acupuncture because that's not the right way how to, to treat someone, you know, everyone should get that specific care. And so, so with the protocol, then is it pretty standard or does it still let you kind of like vary based on what's going on with someone? Oh, for the research project? Yeah, that is a, it's a specific protocol. So with that one, yeah. So okay. with that one, it is a specific protocol, but it's a really great protocol and it makes sense. Sometimes with research, they'll say in this study, we use five of the 10 points listed. So sometimes it'll be kind of an in general um, with this it's pretty specific, but then we'll be able to do variations off of this original study, which is the cool thing. Like what I'm noticing is this protocol could be used for any sort of back pain. Not just symptomatic spondylolisthesis. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, let's use this on more patients, different types of pain. Could it be used for upper back pain? That'd be interesting since the table I'm using, Mm -hmm. the legs move up and down. So the upper body is stationary while the legs move and I do the massage technique. So I just think there's a lot of different ways to go. And we have done some cool studies at Mayo with hot flashes, acupuncture, reducing hot flashes, cardiovascular health. We've also worked with high school athletes to see if acupuncture can reduce their pain during the training season. And we found that 95% of the high school athletes would do acupuncture again. 
they liked it. They do it again. Wow. They found benefits. And so, yeah, my colleague developed this protocol and I was lucky enough to help him with it. And we just found that people are liking acupuncture. Athletes love acupuncture. You know, the more re- research we can do to show that it's helpful, the less scared people will be to try it because it's not painful. It works well. You notice changes within, you know, one to six sessions and it's a great thing to add in to, you know, like that mindfulness that we talked about, you know, different ways of working on oneself that is healing the whole body. And so during those acupuncture sessions, you can tap into that meditative state if you want. For people, I say it's like Shavasana when you do yoga. At the end, when you lay and rest and relax, you can get into that deep state of relaxation during acupuncture as well. And it just, it feels amazing. I agree. That's every time I've had acupuncture, you always just walk away like, so yeah. relaxed and it just feels so good. And I am somebody who is petrified in needles. Yeah. Like as a kid, they used to have to have multiple people hold my arm oh, down no. to give me a shot. Oh, no. So the first time I had Scary. acupuncture, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so yeah. scared. And all, like, all I personally felt was like a little twinge. Yeah. Like I would feel like a little twinge and you'd like maybe a yeah. slight pain every now and then in like certain spots. Yep. But otherwise, like, totally sometimes I wouldn't even notice like the needles were going yeah in. The, exactly and, and once they're in I didn't even notice them and sometimes they would like turn them a little mm-hmm. I think like after a while I don't know if that's part of the technique to like spin the oh, needles, to spin a little the needles. Bit. yep and then like a dull achy sensation can sometimes happen and that's all normal yep. yeah yeah and then the electricity was really oh, neat yeah. too I had cool. that and Again, it's a little intimidating as someone like just trying it for the first mm-hmm. time, but it was amazing. Good. And it really, to feel that energy yeah. flow, especially as someone who like appreciates energy and yeah. Reiki and everything, like to feel that energy flow and like the channels kind of open up. It was really Yeah, cool. it's so, it's so amazing. And it's really hard to describe to people until they have the experience where it's like, it's, it's a type of relaxation that you've never really felt before it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, with the acupuncture kind of working on, so people ask me, you know, what is it doing within Western medicine? And so, you know, I like to educate people on, cause it's good to talk about the chi and the West, the Chinese medical diagnoses, but it's so important to talk about the Western stuff because that's, you know, where the research at and, and how we're able to work at Mayo with doing acupuncture is knowing that, acupuncture can release endorphins throughout the body. Some studies show that it releases serotonin and dopamine, reduces inflammation, increases circulation, you know, it's doing all of these great things within the body. And the thing that I find fascinating when you mentioned someone kind of spinning, you know, the provider spinning the needle or twisting the needle and research studies show that when you twist the needle, that connective tissue in your skin starts to spindle around the needle. And so that connective tissue spindles around the needle and then it starts to talk to other parts of the body, kind of like a webbing network. And so when you needle one spot, it's talking to other areas, which then will activate the brain. And I just find it so fascinating. Oh my gosh, that is fascinating. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I feel like I could talk to you all day long about this. That's, I have a million I'm questions to, and that's, I, I'm really excited. We're going to do, so Sue is your yeah. colleague who is a nurse practitioner and works with you in integrative medicine. Yes. So I'm going to interview her next. And then 
Um, That'll be great. She's the great. The third interview then will be you guys together. And so we can talk more about how you guys collaborate yeah. in your integrative medicine department and how, you know, you kind of treat patients as a team, yeah. which I'm so excited for also. That'll be great. But since it is yeah. late, no. I don't want to keep you all night. <laughs> Let's move into the end of interview questions if that's oh, okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I have a few just kind of fun interview questions to get to know you yeah. a little better. So the first one is, what's your wild dream for 2019? Oh, okay. So for 2019, for me, the biggest part of my life has been work. And so now it's getting to know myself in a different way. And so for me, I'm going to Scotland in May and I'm going to England in August. And so it's tapping into that otherworldly side for me, kind of tapping into that spirituality and, and the wow of travel. And so that's kind of my goal of 2019 is just continuing to get to know myself even more and, and the world and kind of exploring. That's awesome. And you have been some incredible oh, places. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I love traveling. It's my therapy. You know, so for me, it's if I don't oh, travel, yeah. yeah, it's my therapy for sure. That's amazing. So what does the word nourish mean to you? So nourish mean to me means fueling your body with all the good things. So nourishing and kind of fueling it with love, with food, with friendship, laughter, spirituality, nature, just feeling fueling it with all of the things that make you feel good and healthy. I love that. So what do you do for self-care? I know you, since you take care of people all day and you see a lot of patients, hopefully you do some self-care. And also, since you mentioned energy work, what do you do to kind of cleanse your energy or protect your energy or, you know, take care of your energy during the day? Yeah. So that's something that I've really had to work on the past 10 years. So I'm, I'm an empathic person. So I tend to take on the energy of people around me, which can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. So what I do to conserve my energy is I try and really hold space for patients and be present for them with listening and engaging without kind of absorbing that energy. It can be tricky. So it's just saying, you know, mm-hmm. I am present. I am here for them right now in this moment. And what I do for self-care is I might take a shower after work. I kind of shower off the day. Some days are really hard. Some days, you know, a patient is dying or a patient has died or just I see sad stuff. And so I need to wash away that day. You know, I have cat cuddles. So a big thing for me is cuddling with my cats, you know, connecting with family and friends, travel. But some days are really hard and I kind of have to force myself to do self-care techniques. So I'll say, you know, I just need to work out right now or I need to meditate right now. And even though I just feel like doing nothing, I know that after I do this, I'm going to feel better. And staying just staying present in the moment and listening to what does my body need right now that's the biggest question i've been asking myself this year and it will be okay i need to rest or i need to work out or i need to eat the salad or i need to get out of the house and go for a walk you know really tapping into myself and i think that that can be helpful for anyone Oh, yeah. That's great advice. And to be able to listen to yourself and kind of tune in in that moment in a clear state of mind, I think makes all the difference. And I love the cat. Right. Animals <laughs> right. are so, so therapeutic. therapeutic. So. My guys are so cute. <laughs> and you know, you know, I'm, I can sometimes be a bad patient in the sense that I am such a giver. And so another thing I've been tapping into this year is 
I go get facials, you know, I go get my a face massage, I get facials, I get body wraps, you know, I do things like that where, yeah, it might cost a little bit of money, but in the end, investing in myself helps me feel better. You know, so sometimes self-care means investing in health. You know, I get acupuncture, obviously, too. So I love energy work and acupuncture and all of that good stuff. And for me, that works. And I just, it's easy to, as a provider, sometimes forget that. You know, it's, it's especially if you are used to taking care of others all the time, it can be easy to not always do those things to take care of yourself. And so I think as we age and get older, it's like, Tapping into all those life lessons is so important. Um, oh, if I do this, I feel better. And then I'm more present for my patients. I have less burnout and I can give more to my community if I take good care of myself. And that's what it's all about for me is helping others feel better. And, you know, that in turn helps me feel good. That is such an important message. And I think it's just so like wise in general, yeah. you know, to take care of yourself that you can take care of others and being willing to pay for it, I think is also important. Like investing in your health and your well-being up front versus down the road. Exactly. And one of the, one of the, yeah. So I was just going to say one of the best advice, piece of advice I ever got was you can't give from an empty cup. So the best thing you can do is fill your cup up so that your cup is overflowing and then you give others the extras. And I've never thought about it. Oh, I love that. I've never thought about it that way before. I thought, Oh, because my, you know, half the time my cup feels empty or, you know, it did for a period of time. And then I thought, Mm -hmm. no, I need to keep filling, keep filling so I can give people the excess and then I'm still full. And so that's why I travel, you know, that fills my cup up. So then the rest of the year, I feel so much better, you know, so if that advice helps anyone, I think. So I might know the answer to this question (laughs) already, but yeah. What do you do for fun? Oh, good question. I, you know, I love to laugh. Honestly, I love to laugh and hang out with friends and I'm just a goofball. And so obviously I talked about travel. That's a big thing, but just connecting with people, just having a good time, connecting with my family and friends and cats and just, you know, laughing and being silly. You know, I also love just sitting and reading a book or watching Game of Thrones, you know? So my idea of fun is either the kind of the extrovert side and laughing a lot or that introvert side. But yeah, I absolutely just love watching a comedy and joking around with friends and just being goofy. I mean, that's what life's all about is just having those fun moments where I was just in Charlotte this weekend with my sister And we just laughed the whole time. We just had a blast. And, you know, I felt so recharged today when I went back to work. I was just like, gosh, you know, I felt so lucky to have that experience with her. And so finding those little moments of of meaning can really, you know, change someone's life, changes your day, but then changes your life when you have those strong connections. Oh, yeah. yeah. And laughter is so therapeutic. Huge. The connection is just invaluable. Exactly. I know after (laughs) everyone listens to this, that they're going to want to find out more about you. Is there a way our audience can find out more about you or connect with you or say they want to come to Mayo? How do they? Yeah, great question. So I don't have a website or anything like that right now because I am so busy. It's hard for me to get back to, to emails, unfortunately, but the best way for people to reach me, there's two options is I'm at the Mayo rejuvenate spa, which is beautiful and everyone should see me there. Um, it's on the fifth floor at the Dan Abraham Healthy Living Center. And that number's online. If you just type in Mayo Rejuvenate Spa in Rochester, Minnesota, or patients can also see me at the other awesome location I'm at, which is the Mayo Outpatient Clinic. And with that setting, 
you need an order from your physician and then they can put you on our one of our calendars for acupuncture. And the nice thing about the outpatient clinic is we do bill insurance and versus the spa is cash based. So it's two completely different settings, but you get full service acupuncture from me. And I love treating patients in both settings. It's really a great way to receive acupuncture. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I will put the information in the show notes as well oh, so that people can find it perfect. if they're interested in coming. So yes. it has been such a pleasure talking oh. with you and I can't wait to talk more. You have so yeah. much amazing information to share. And it's that's so fun. I knew when I read your bio and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, we could talk. All Seriously, long. we could so, talk all long for sure. It, yes, oh, it was wonderful. So but thank you so much for talking with me thank tonight. Thank you, Amy. And I can't wait to talk with you more. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure of mine. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Nourish and Shine. I hope that you enjoy this episode and that you'll leave me a review on iTunes so that more people can hear the podcast. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love to hear your questions, so please send them my way. Also, you can check out my website. It's amysapola.com. I hope that today's interview provided you with some inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and to live a whole vibrant life. Please join me again next week for another amazing interview. Have a wonderful week. The information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or condition. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your medical provider.